Amen. Let, let, me, let me share a couple of things with you. I'm going to preach here in just a minute. But there are two truths that have governed my life for a long time now. And I felt impressed just a second ago to share them with you. Number one is this. Every time that I come into his presence to worship, I am reminded this is the only day that I am promised. Now, I'm planning on worshiping again with y'all. But we may not, I may not get there. But I do have today. So I've made up in my mind, as long as I'm here, and as long as he's God, I might as well act like it. I might as well use my voice to... Do I have a witness in this house on Sunday morning? Come on, he's worthy of my praise today. Today, right now. He's worthy of my hand clap. He's worthy of my lifted hand. He's worthy of a lifted voice. Everybody shout it. Say, I got today. The second thing that guides my life is this. There's, some, there's a principle found in Scripture, especially in the life of Jesus as he walked on this earth, and that is this. Jesus never came up to people and just overwhelmed them. The Bible would say things like, and Jesus drew near, or Jesus came by the way. And he was looking for someone to extend themselves in faith that he could be a miracle worker. So I know, I know in this house right now, and, and this is not gifts of the Spirit operating, I know because I know some of the situations that people are facing right now. But you need a miracle. Can I tell you something? Most of the time, and I would say almost exclusively, Jesus is never going to show up and just say, whether you want it or not, it is Sunday, August 7th. You're getting your miracle. But he shows up in our midst. Can I... He, the miracle worker shows up in our midst and he's looking for someone to reach for him and extend themselves toward him. How many feel like doing that a little bit today? Reaching for the Lord, extending ourselves to the Lord. Saying, Jesus, if you're here, I'm going to get where you are. Praise God. Amen. Oh, I feel good today. I'm glad I came to church. I'm glad I didn't sleep in today. Praise God. During the preaching, we do have a class for our youngest children from birth up till four. So if you have children or grandchildren that are in that age group, you can step out in the atrium and our staff will direct them. You can step back here into the sanctuary. Amen. You can be seated. Why don't you do this, though? Why don't you use your chair intermittently today while I preach? Don't recline. Don't go lazy boy on me. But just get up on the front edge of your seat. Do I have an amen corner today? Yeah. Amen. God will meet us, New Life Church, as we expect him to work. I'm going to say that again. God will meet us when we expect him to work. And I've come to New Life today on Sunday morning expecting God to work. I'll just tell you right up front the mindset of this preacher. I didn't come here wondering if God was going to work. I didn't walk in. I'm not saying this to point toward me. I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm going to give one testimony of one person in this room right now. I didn't come just hoping God would work. I came expecting God to work. I came expecting that when we pray, he will hear. And if he hears, he will answer. I've come with an expectation 
in my heart. And so we have assembled from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different walks of life, but we are not here on Sunday morning simply to inform. And we're not simply here to educate people. I hope that through the word of the Lord we are educated, but also we want to give God opportunity to work on our behalf. We want to let him know we are here You are here, Lord, and we're going to give you opportunity to work in our midst. The reason why I can be so full of expectation today is because I am a recipient of God's miraculous power. I'm a recipient both in the past and the very near past. 39 years ago this summer, June of 1983, I asked the Lord to forgive me of my sin. It's the word repent. Everybody say repent. And I found 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 to be true. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He forgave me. I went down into the waters of baptism just a few weeks later and I had the saving name of Jesus Christ called over me. And my sins were miraculously remitted. They were removed. How can you be sure of that, Pastor? Because the Bible says that water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is for the remission of sins. The removal of sins. And so I must stop here long enough to say that if you have never had your sins remitted washed away in baptism, in the name of Jesus, you can do that today before you go home. Today. You can have the same miracle that happened to me happen to you. And then three weeks later, another miracle happened. July the 17th, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God miraculously enabled me. I want Brother David Thompson to stand. He sent me the greatest text I've received this week. He's up in the risers up here. A great man, great family. Do you know that Wednesday was the 50-year anniversary? He doesn't even seem old enough to make this statement, but the 50-year anniversary of God baptizing David Thompson with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. I was talking to him on the phone this week, and we were just talking about the power of the Lord. It's real. We used to sing it a long time ago in church. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. There's something about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm so thankful that miraculously God filled me many years ago. But the miracles have not stopped. Even in the recent past, three years ago, I was flying on a Delta plane from California to Atlanta, to come home to Little Rock, to the Little Rock Airport. And the farther I flew from California to Atlanta, the pain in my leg got worse and worse and worse. I wondered what it was. I couldn't figure it out. It only started when I got on the plane in California. When I landed in Atlanta, I began to make my way from the D terminal to the B terminal. If you fly a lot of, on Delta Airlines, you're always going to fly home on the, in the B terminal coming from Atlanta. 
And I had to make the long walk, get on a train, go over to the B terminal, and the longer I walked, the worse the pain got. You got to imagine this. I am dragging my foot through the Atlanta airport. It is in excruciating pain. I didn't know what was going on. I got on the train, got over to B terminal, and I'm across from gate B21. I took my suitcase and set it right up here in front of me, and I hiked my foot up on my suitcase. You get the picture? I'm sitting there with my foot up on the suitcase, and I had a little prayer meeting right there at gate B21 in the Atlanta airport. I said, Lord, I don't want this pain. I don't have time for this pain. I'm asking you right now to heal this pain in the name of Jesus. I wasn't asking him to wait till I got home. I wasn't asking him to wait till I could get on the phone and get a prayer warrior to pray for me. I wasn't asking him to wait until I could call my pastor and have the man of God pray for me. I asked him simply in Jesus' name to meet me at gate B21 and let your healing power touch my body. I'm here to testify to you that when I took my foot off of my suitcase and put it down on the ground, I did not have one vestige of pain in my leg. I got on the plane to Little Rock, no pain. I got off the plane in Little Rock, no pain. I am standing here this morning on Sunday morning in cabin with no pain. He is a miracle worker. He can do anything. And I cannot explain every way that the Lord works. But I choose this morning to embrace it. I choose to embrace it. In just a few minutes, I'm going to ask for everybody in the house that needs God to touch something in your life to come forward for prayer. I'm going to give you about a 25-minute warning right now. So some of y'all are new, you don't know how I'm going to end this service, I'm telling you right now. You don't have to be in the dark, you don't have to be fogged, you don't have to nudge your neighbor and say, all right, you ready to go? Go, get out of here. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. In just a few moments, I'm going to have us have time for prayer. And we're going to give God opportunity to work. There's going to be no smoke, no mirrors, no bait and switch, no strange demands. We'll explain everything that's going on, but I am just simple enough today to believe that if God is here and I have belief in that miracle working God, that if he did it for me in the Atlanta airport, he can do it for you. He can touch your body. He can touch your family. He can touch your finances. He can touch your relationships. He can do what we cannot do. I may not be able to explain it all, but I embrace it today. We're going to give God opportunity to move. Go with me in your Bible, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter 5 and verse number 12. Acts chapter 5, New Testament. If you have a Bible and someone near you doesn't, you can look on, share your Bible with them. Acts 5 and 12. By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Verse 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and of women. Verse 15. And so much that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. 
There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks. Everybody say sick folks. Sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits. Watch the next few words. And they were healed every one. Everyone was healed. Would you say this with me? Jesus, I need you today. I want you to say it with me. Jesus, I believe in you today. I want you to declare it. I believe you can do miracles, Jesus. Lord, I'm open up to your spirit today. Come on, say, Jesus, minister to me today. Say it in the name of Jesus. Everybody say, in the name of Jesus. Lord, in the next few moments, I pray that you will fill this place with your glory. I take authority over every foul, distractive spirit that would try to come against the body of Christ today. And Lord, I bind that up by the authority of the name of Jesus. And I loose revelation and anointing to flow upon your people today. We loose the miracle power of the Lord to descend in new life, in Cabot right now. We're going to give you the glory. We're going to give you all the honor and the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. The prophet Isaiah many years ago simply declared it like this. Who will believe the report of the Lord? It's Isaiah chapter number 53 and he goes on to prophesy of a coming Messiah that by the shedding of his blood would purchase healing for mankind. By his stripes we are healed. I want to submit to every person at New Life on this Sunday morning this very clear truth. We are finite and we are limited and we are incapable at times. We are insufficient in ability many times and I am insufficient in skill. The truth of the matter is we don't have all of the answers. We might act like we have all the answers, but there's not a man or woman or child or young adult in this room right now that has every single answer. And so as bleak as the outlook is at times, I believe today that there exists another report. I believe today that there exists God's report. I believe there is another diagnosis. I believe there is a different possible outcome. You say, I've been told by professional people what the outcome is going to be. Can I tell you something? God may have a different outcome. God may have something in mind of a miraculous nature. A miraculous touch, a miraculous overshadowing, a power that comes from heaven. When we look at the word miracle, by definition, it simply is a supernatural occurrence which is not limited by natural laws or limits. When God performs a miracle, you just can't explain it. You can't figure it out. A miracle does not include A plus B equals C. By definition, it's supernatural. It goes beyond what is understandable. It goes beyond what is explainable. Then other times the Lord will bring a healing. That is a progressive improvement, a mending, or a recovery. I must understand this morning that the Bible is a book that is full of the miraculous. In the Old Testament, God seemingly took the people of Israel, his people, through miraculous event after miraculous event. 
You and I open up our Bibles, and in just a few pages, we begin to see the springing forth of the miraculous power of God. Moses took his staff, the staff that guided the children of Israel in Exodus 4. He threw it down on the ground, and the Bible says that it became a serpent. And then, if that wasn't enough, he had the audacity and the courage to reach down and pick it up. Help me, Lord. And so it wasn't just that the staff became a servant, but when he reached down and picked up the servant, it became a staff again. That's what the Bible says. He placed his hand inside of his garment, and when he pulled it out, it was full of leprosy. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, I'm not going to leave you like that, Moses. I need you to put your hand back in your garment. And when he put his hand back in his garment and pulled it out, it became clean in just a moment. You see, these miracles demonstrated God's authority and God as a spokesman. Similarly, the prophets were given words to speak from God and in order to verify the authority that God had granted them. He performed miracles through their lives. Elijah came up to a widow whose son had died. And the Bible is very clear and graphic that he stretched himself out over that boy. And life came in that boy and he lived. Elijah, the same man of God, called fire down from heaven on a sacrifice that had been fully soaked in water. And that sacrifice came and was devoured by fire that came from heaven. He is a miracle worker. The Old Testament is full of example after example after example of a God who pushed past natural laws, pushed past what can be explained. When we open up to the last one-third of our Bible, the New Testament, those people watched in amazement at the ministry of Jesus and the miracles that he performed. The scope of his miraculous power and healing showed the breadth of his authority. I want you to consider with me on this Sunday morning, this Jesus healed the sick. He cast out evil spirits. He cured a variety of specific conditions, a blood disease in a woman, a withered hand in a man, blindness in several, deafness, paralysis, epilepsy, leprosy, dropsy, and fevers. He resuscitated the dead and he exercised power over nature itself. He looked at wine at a wedding that was running out and said, fill water pots with water and I'll turn it to wine. That's the kind of miraculous Jesus that we serve today. He can look at water and call it wine. He can look at five loaves and two fish and say, that's enough for a banquet. He can look at 5,000 people and a little boy's lunch and say, that's all I need. I am the miracle worker. You see, because Jesus worked the miracles, those who saw him knew that the God of Israel was once again acting in their midst. In fact, it was Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, who in John chapter 3 said, I realize you're a powerful man because God is with you and you are doing miracles. Jesus' miracles revealed his divine identity, and that identity calls for worship. 
This is why there was a response on the part of the disciples when Jesus is walking on the water and they said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Because the miracles reveal your identity, not as just a part of God, but God Himself. This miracle power was not simply relegated, however, to prophets and to Jesus. But the Bible says in our text in Acts chapter 5, that through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. That tells me you don't have to have the name Jesus to see miracles happen through your life. You don't have to be an Old Testament prophet named Elijah to see miracles happen through your life. You don't have to be somebody that is named in Scripture to have miracles happen in your life. But there can be a 20-year-old on a Sunday morning who is full of the Holy Ghost and with the name of Jesus on their life. And they can walk in the same authority and the same power as Jesus himself. Why? Because the Spirit is inside of them. His name is upon them. And that name has all authority and all power. It can happen while I'm preaching today. There can come somebody that says, I'm not waiting for the altar call. I'm not waiting for someone to lay hands on me. It can happen while the preacher's preaching. I can get a miracle right where I'm sitting. God can touch me right now in the midst of a service before it's even done. There hasn't been an altar call, but the power of God is here. Come on, i got to preach it today. You can have a miracle today. You can have a breakthrough today. You can see God do beyond what you ever could expect. Oh, i got to stay here. i gotta, I got more notes, and I'll probably get to them here in just a minute. But I'm so tired of people pigeonholing religion and saying religion is from 1030 to 12 on a Sunday. And that's when I take my religious coat off, and I put it on the shelf, and I wait till next Sunday. Oh, no, 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 no. He can work on Monday, and he can work on Tuesday, and he can work in August, and he can work in October. He can show up in your bedroom. He can show up in your car. He can work when you don't think he's going to work. He is a miracle worker. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, I got to preach it today. He can work when you feel him, and he can work when you don't feel him. He can work when you're surrounded by the body of Christ and when you're all by yourself. He is a miracle worker. Nothing can stop him. Nothing can keep him from working. Come on, I think we ought to thank him for being a miracle worker. I need some people of God to help me preach today. Oh, yes! Come on, he's close to you right now. His miracle power is close to you right now. I think it's important. Everybody say the Bible. If you've got a Bible, hold your Bible up. Hold your Bible up. I've lived long enough to know that some people in, in, the, in the church world, and I, I'm not saying that I, I'm beyond this. I've got to stay connected. We've got to stay in the book. You know why I believe in miracles? Because the Bible says miracles take place. Because the book of Acts says miracles take place. And if it's in the Bible and it's in the New Testament church, it's for me today. 
I'm asking God. You say, wow, that's bold. I'm asking God to raise the dead. I'm asking God to open up deaf ears. I'm asking God to loose tongues that have never spoken. I'm asking God to open up blind eyes. I'm asking God to reveal himself and set people free from demon possession. If it's in the Bible, if it's a miracle found in the Bible, I believe it is for me. And I am trusting it is for me and you. But I think it is so important today that we understand the purpose of miracles. I'm preaching about something that cannot be explained, but I embrace it. The purpose of miracles is not simply for God to show off. Hello. But miracles are acts of God that proclaim his sovereign power. Miracles speak of God's commitment for the good of his people. When miracles occur, they give evidence that God is truly at work. And they serve to advance the gospel. When God touches your leg and the pain goes... That's not just to wow you in an airport. But that is to demonstrate that he has sovereign power over whatever it is that was causing the pain. He's the God of healing. He's the God of miracles. So why miracles? Number one, here we go. Don't miss this. We can think of miracles as the suspension of natural order. But Jesus means them to be the restoration of natural order. <laughs> oh, I'm having a fun time. I don't know about y'all, but I'm enjoying this service. God created man in perfect health. He created man in innocence. He created man in completeness. God, through his miraculous power, restores us to what he created us to be. It's not just him showing off. He's actually saying, I'm going to bring you back to the way I intended you to be. The way I created mankind. Now, I'm going to just do war in the spirit here for just a minute. Everything that I pray about is coming through the sovereignty of God. I know there are times, and I'm just going to do battle against it because I feel it rising up in this house today. People that say, well, I've prayed a hundred prayers and God hasn't healed me yet. God hasn't given me a miracle yet. Can I just tell you something? I, I'm praying with you. Number one, I'm praying with you. But we cannot stop asking him for a miracle. I preach to somebody that you can't quite figure out yet why it hasn't happened. That's not our job to figure out why it hasn't happened. Our job is to ask him. Our job is to get down on our knees and say, Lord, I don't know what all you have in mind, but since I'm here, I'm asking you for a miracle. I'm asking you for a breakthrough. I'll let you be God, but I'm asking you to come through in a mighty, mighty way. Oh, I'm going to preach to somebody that's been diagnosed with cancer. Ask again for a miracle. I want to preach to somebody that's got a sinus infection. Ask again for God to touch that sinus infection. Come on, our job is to believe and to ask. 
Praise God. We must believe and ask. We petition with faith. They don't just happen. They are prayed into being. Jesus said, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. And to him who knocks, it will be opened to him. So in just a moment, when we gather around the front, I'm not asking you to come telling me how long you've been asking. I'm just simply asking you to ask again. To believe and to ask again. Or maybe it's the first time that you've asked. Can I tell you something? Your miracle is not too insignificant for God. You say, well, it's not cancer. It's something that I haven't told anybody. He really does care for where you're at right now. He is a personal God. He knows what we have need of, the Bible says, before we ever even ask it. But he wants us to ask. I want you to get this too. Miracles are promised. Everybody say miracles are promised. Mark chapter 16 in verse number 15, he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth, that ETH ending in the King James means continue to believe, not just believe once, continue to believe. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Everyone say, in my name. In his great name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's a great verse. I love reading that. I love reading the words of Jesus, all the different things that will happen. They're not going to be harmed by the serpents, and they're gonna, they, if, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they're going to cast out devils, on and on it goes. Is there any proof, is there anything in the Bible that verifies that? Jesus said it, but is there anything that verifies that? Yes, thank you for asking, there absolutely is. Jesus said they'll cast out devils, Acts chapter 16 and verse number 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. I want you to notice something. This is not what I'm going to preach about. But the Bible says she has these devils inside of her, a spirit of divination given over to sort of devil worship. And even the devil knows what's going on. These are the followers of the one true living God. The Bible says the devil knows that there's one God. And he trembles at that revelation. Verse 18, this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed. I'm so glad the Bible says that. <laughs> Turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. They shall cast out devils. And they did. They shall speak with new tongues. 
Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus said they shall speak with new tongues. And the Bible says they did. And we still do. They shall take up serpents. Whoa. Be careful, preacher. Acts chapter 28 and verse number 3, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They shall take up serpents, Jesus said, and they won't be harmed. And they did. Now, I have to add this addendum. They shall take up serpents is not a command. I don't even think I need to preach anymore on that one right there. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Acts chapter 3 verse 1, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something, some offering from them. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately... His feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jesus said it and it happened. And it is still happening today. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. Missionary Prince Matthias is a missionary in the country of Sri Lanka. He tells the story of a local pastor who was starting a church in a town with no, no churches, no truth-preaching churches. In fact, there were no churches of any denomination in this town in Sri Lanka. 
It was the site of many Buddhist and Hindu shrines. People began to threaten this local church planting pastor for promoting Jesus Christ. How could you come into Sri Lanka and promote this God, Jesus Christ? And so they decided to do one worse thing than just ridiculing him, and they put poison down in his water well that was in front of his house. The pastor heard about this, and he called the missionary, Brother Matthias. He said, Brother Matthias, they poisoned my water well. What am I going to do? That's a source of life for me and my family. We're not going to be able to drink, and we'll die if we don't have water. What do I do? The missionary went to prayer, and when he went to prayer, the Lord directed him to 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 19, where the Bible says, then the men of the city said to the prophet Elisha, please notice the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the ground is barren. And he said, bring me a new bowl, put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water, the bad water, everybody say bad water bad water cast in the salt there and said thus says the Lord I have healed this water from it there shall be no more death or barrenness so the water remains healed to this day according to the word of Elisha which he spoke when the Lord directed the missionary to that passage he called the church planting pastor and he said, the Lord just spoke to me. He said, I want you to go get a bowl, and I want you to put some salt in the bowl. I want you to walk out to that poison well and dump that salt in that well, and then get you a big old bucket. Go down in that well, get out a big old bucket of water, and start drinking it in front of everybody. Now, some of y'all are saying, well, that's easy for the missionary to say that. So you know what the church planner did? He decided to take God at his word. He decided not to try to explain it, but rather embrace it. He got a bowl, dumped some salt down in the bowl, walked out to the well, dumped the salt in the well. It looked the same, smelled the same. Everything was about the same. He gathered his family around and said, now we're going to watch God work. He took a bucket, dipped down in that, and with quivering hands, <laughs> brought that bucket up to his mouth and took a big old swig. Everybody, all his neighbors who had poisoned the well are gathered in their houses looking at what's going to happen to the church plant. He's going to fall over dead. He just kept staying alive. They started asking, was that the well you put the poison in? You sure it was that well? Yeah, that's the well we put the poison in. After the family saw that daddy hadn't croaked, they dipped down in the well with the bucket. They brought it up and started. The whole family, the whole people of God are just standing there drinking the water that had been poisoned, and everybody said it's over with. People started coming out from their homes, looking at them, Perfectly fine. Now, if you don't think God's cool, everybody say God's cool. Within a matter of days, a drought hit that city. And every well dried up in that city, except the well of the church planter. He said, I got water for sale. 
Come and get a bucket of water. I got water for, how many know when God does something, he doesn't just get by, he takes care of his people. He is a miracle working God. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. God said that and God did that. He's a miracle worker. He's a miracle worker. <laughs> Praise God. Now, I'm just about done. We're going to pray here in just a minute. We're going to pray in just a minute. But I have been so, so blessed over the years to hear of stories in this Bible of God's miraculous power and then to watch God work outside of what Scripture says to confirm what this Bible says. I've seen legs grow out, one shorter than the other, and in a matter of just a moment, legs started straightening up. I've seen it happen with my own eyes. I've seen creative miracles. I've seen people with deafness and that ear pop open by the power of the Lord. It wasn't man that did that. It wasn't hokey spooky. It wasn't some, some weird, uh, strange. It was just the power of God on display. He can do it, folks. I want someone to believe that today. He can do it. Missionary Richie from the Windward Islands said a lady by the name of Wanisha Robin had a baby. I'm sorry, Wanisha Robin's mother gave birth to Wanisha. She was born in the Windward Islands on February the 5th, 2019. When she was born, as soon as she was born, her mother was totally heartbroken because the doctors brought the baby to her and her daughter's knees and her feet were facing the wrong direction. I'm going to show you a picture on the screen of the baby. She was born with her feet and her knees facing the wrong direction. This news came of the birth of this child when the church was in the second week of a special prayer meeting in a city called Fort de France. And every night they placed little Wanisha before the throne of grace and said, Jesus, we're asking you to work a miracle. It was Tuesday, February the 12th in the evening when the grandmother of the little girl called the missionary in tears. She just had another conversation with her son who was distraught over the little baby being born so deformed. And the grandmother said, Brother and Sister Richie, please, please, tonight, I'm asking the church to pray again. I know that the church knows how to pray. Just pray again for my granddaughter. The missionary assured her that they would pray and they again placed the baby before the Lord in prayer. They just prayed a simple prayer to an all-sufficient God. That was on Tuesday night. Early the next morning, the telephone rang. It was before the missionary had even got out of bed. Telephone rang. It was Sister Gloria, the grandmother, and she was in a state of great excitement. It was very early in the morning. The sun had barely come up, and she said, Sister Richie, Brother Richie, God did it. God did it. She said this morning when the family got up, the baby's legs were completely straight. That was the baby after the miracle. Listen, somebody needs to hear the word of the Lord today. He can do the impossible. He can do what we cannot explain but we must embrace it. I can't explain that. I can't tell you exactly how God did that. But what I do know, 
Go back to that first picture. That was the baby when it was born. And when God stepped in, go to the next picture. That's the baby now. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody in this house. You may say, that was, if that had happened to you, that would be something you would talk about. That would be something you would get excited about. He is a miracle-working God. Come on, let's praise him right now. Let's praise him right now. Come on, let's praise him right now. Let's praise the miracle worker right now. Let's praise the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everybody stand with me, please. Everybody stand with me. I can go around this room right now. Brother Daryl McKinnon's right here on the middle aisle, raising his hand, right here in the middle aisle. I can take you to the morning when Brother Daryl walked down to the front like we'll do in just a moment. We had prayer, and Brother Daryl and I will both tell you, we didn't, either one of us, feel anything. We didn't feel a cold chill. We didn't feel the Lord go, ooh, anything like that. We just prayed in faith. And this man is standing and walking today as a complete miracle of God's power. When you see him walking, that is an absolute miracle that God has done for him. I've told this story before, but those of you that are new, I have an identical twin brother. And he was told when he was 12 years old, you have got a bone disease in your leg called osteomyelitis. It will cripple you and you'll eventually have to be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. What did we do? We just went to prayer. We just did what the Bible says. Lay hands on the sick and watch God recover them. We just prayed in faith. I remember I was 12 years old. I didn't feel any rush. I didn't feel any, any chills up and down. I just knew to pray. So we just prayed and God touched my brother. Next month, or rather in the month of October, he will run his 22nd marathon. The man that, that the doctor said, you're never going to walk again. You're going to be in a wheelchair. He's running his 22nd marathon. When God works, he can do anything. Jim Gaddy, wave your hand. Just keep your hand up, Pop. 2011, my dad was diagnosed with melanoma cancer. The diagnosis, and I'm reading it from the doctor's report. This patient has melanoma cancer in some other part of the body, and the cells have metastasized to this area of his body. So on Wednesday night, May the 25th, 2011, we got around my dad. Some of you were there. We circled around him at the front of a Wednesday night service. And we prayed in the name of Jesus. We were there, but God was there in that circle. They said this cancer, this growth on his arm, it has metastasized from some other part of his body. In other words, we have cancer cells elsewhere in the body that are now coming and manifesting themselves in this part of his body. That was on May the 25th that we prayed. On May the 26th, at the order of the oncologist, here was the radiology report. No definite evidence of metastasized involvement in the brain. He ordered a whole body PET scan two days later. Here was the report of the radiologist. Head and neck, no hypermetabolic activity. Chest, 
no hypermetabolic activity. Abdomen, no hypermetabolic activity noted in the liver, the spleen, the pancreas, the adrenal glands, the kidneys, or anywhere else in the abdomen. Two days later, he went to his final visit to the oncologist that just days earlier had told him, Mr. Gaddy, you have metastasized cancer in your body. Now, I know you're not supposed to do this, but I looked it up online. My father was looking at a year and a half to two years to live. That was 11 and a half years ago. And he's right there worshiping the Lord. You've come too late to tell me he's not a miracle worker. He is a miracle working God. So what do you need? What do you need right now? Your diagnosis from the doctor doesn't make Jesus nervous. What people have told you is going on in your body, that doesn't make the Lord nervous today. Our job is to ask him. And I'm going to tell you something. If there are people here, hear this preacher right now, and you need a miracle, I wouldn't let a team of wild horses keep you from coming forward for prayer. I would not let one person keep you from letting somebody agree with you in prayer for a miracle to take place in your body. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if you've got to crawl over a chair. I don't care if you have to tell everybody on your row, I know I came to church with you, but I'm going to step out and I'm going to ask God again. I'm going to ask God for a miracle. I'm not going to let anything keep me. I'm not going to let anything. I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm asking. That's my job is to ask. My job is not to heal my body. My job is to ask for the healer to heal my body. Come on, come on. Holy Ghost is calling right now. Spirit of the Lord is moving right now. Oh, there's people. There's a lot of people need miracles today. Woo, hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Today can be the day. Today can be the day. Today can be. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. Come on, it's happening right now. Yeah. There might be something you haven't told anybody about. You haven't even disclosed it to anybody. But you're ready for a breakthrough. You're ready for a miracle. You're ready for God to work beyond what you could ever ask or even think. Hallelujah. Come on, he's a miracle worker. He's a miracle worker. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Come on, we're not begging him. We're claiming the healing power of the Lord. Be healed in the name of Jesus. By the authority of God's word, I speak healing right now, Lord. I speak miraculous power in the name of Jesus. Come on, he's a healer. He's a miracle worker. He's a healer. He's a miracle worker. I may not be able to explain it, but I'm embracing it right now. I'm embracing it right now. I'm embracing it right now. 
I'm embracing what I cannot explain.